Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Buenas noches. <laughs> I'll leave it at that because you may not understand too much more. I count it um, a privilege and an honor to be able to share with you tonight about the work of God in Spain. I feel like I've come full circle. Um, 26 years ago, I was sitting where you were sitting, and I came after having visited Spain on a missions trip with Ed Norwood, the secretary of UFM at that time, and having spent the summer in different activities, hearing God speak to me everywhere I went. I uh, finished up at Worldwide on the Saturday night with Ed Norwood at my side, and the speaker spoke about, from Acts 16, about the man who gave the call to Macedonia, crying to, to come and help. And the word that got to me, I think it was Dick Dowse that was speaking, was when he said that Paul concluded that God had called him to preach the gospel to the people. And for me that night, it was coming to a conclusion that God, yes, was calling me to serve him in Spain. And I remember I went home, and the next morning in my daily reading, on the Sunday morning when I opened it up, the title was called and confirmed, and it was Acts 16, and the same passage. So if I had any doubt, um, that was really gone. And I remember that day I called Ed Norwood, and I said, Ed, I'm applying to the mission. I had to go to Spain. And it turned out that the next day, the general secretary of the mission was flying into Northern Ireland. So within 48 hours of being here, I had my preliminary interviews for Spain. And... Uh, that was 26 years ago. Um, thank God for all that he's done. I thank you for people like Ed Norwood. Um, when I meet him still today, every time I meet him, he'll say, I'm praying for you. 26 years on, and I know that Ed is still praying for me. So just an encouragement to you, mission secretaries. Um, it really is a, a powerful ministry that you can have to encourage, to send out, and to keep praying for people. But here I am. That was 26 years ago. I've been serving in Spain for 24. And uh, just even as I think of that, you know, that was my seat um, somewhere in this church those 26 years ago. I just wonder, where's the hot seat tonight? Uh, or where are the hot seats? You know, where's, where's God indicating tonight? Who is he going to speak to tonight? Is there someone here who would offer their life for service? And I just as I, I share with you tonight, just in the, the context of what I want to say, um, there's some words of a song by Matt Redmond has really meant a lot to me as I've come home. And it just said, standing on this mountaintop, looking just how far I've come, knowing that for every step you were with me, kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power in me. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy my heart can say, yes, my heart can say, never once, did, you, did I ever walk alone? Never once did you leave me on my own. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. Just want to share with you tonight and take you on a journey and maybe let you see um, the Spain that, maybe Spain as you know it. Um, as I speak, I'm very conscious that uh, Spain is one of the countries that is best known by, by people generally for their holidays. There are probably very few of you here who have not visited Spain at some time. Um, so it, it is a challenge to come and present a country like that to you as a country that needs the gospel and still needs missionaries. So I'll just take you through some of those things. Yep, 
holidays. This was just Torre Vieja a few weeks ago and the scene that maybe some of you already experienced this year. Um, tourism, I'm going too fast, city breaks, um, even cruises from Barcelona where I live. Um, just to see Barcelona, there's nearly two million people visit just that one tourist attraction every year. The weather, this is the view that was taken from my window um, with a Zoom last summer when I moved in um, to Barcelona City for the first time, but just amazing. Football, maybe it's fame, you know it for that, I'm sure most of the men do. And uh, you know that Spain are the world champions, European champions, and um, Barcelona is the best football club in the world. Um, there is another one in the country, but I'm sure you'll know what it is. I didn't put it up. <laughs> Spain is also, has been in the news recently, and just for some of the stories, uh, the tragedy, national tragedy of the train crash. Um, social problems with the drug culture and these two, two girls, one of them unfortunately from Northern Ireland, um, in a sense probably victims of what is that whole social scene in Ibiza. And it's one of the things that Spain has given to the world, it's changed the world in terms of discos and drug culture. Um, everything that happened in Ibiza has spread throughout Europe um, and people like this have become victims of it. And of course, just recently, the politics and Gibraltar has come up. But it's also been in the news for the financial crisis and the problems with our banks, um, like in many other places. The economic crisis has affected in a great way the youth, and there's 56.4% um, unemployment amongst the youth in Spain right now. But maybe I want to take you now just a little further and show you a little bit of maybe the Spain that you don't know and the aspects of it that you haven't seen. Um, 47.1 million people, the population has grown over the last years. Um, immigrants are now nearly 6 million people and there's probably a lot more than that undocumented um, that come in from different countries, North Africa, Latin America. Uh, capital Madrid with 6 million and Barcelona with 5.1 million. Really big cities now with um, the great populations. But just even to see the geographic context, um, Spain is set within Europe, but it is so close to North Africa um, and it's almost touching it. That's when lots of people try to escape, um, get into Europe. They use the entrance from, to, by Spain. Political context as well, just to let you see that just um, Spain did come out of a dictatorship. Um, Franco just died in 1975 and had ruled Spain with his dictatorial um, power for almost 40 years. And it now has come out, it has a democratic government and um, the president now is Mariano Rajoy that you know. But just even as a, even as a result of, of all that dictatorship and all that happened before, there are political tensions today. And there's the whole area of Catalonia where I live. Um, there is a cry for independence. Um, and there's a million people, there was a protest last year, seeking, and this is the cry, Catalonia. Um, is not Spain, and that's very much the sentiment of, of many, many people in Catalonia. Social context, immigration, and over the, the last years, when there, there were the boom years, many people came from Latin America, North Africans, Romanians, um, all flooded into Spain for the, the better life, and actually the situation is changing now, and many of them are going back to their own countries because it actually is better for them there. And what we're facing now is that youth immigration uh, from Spain, and there's um, well, hundreds of thousands of young people just flocking out to other countries, um, going to Latin America, but also going to Germany, and probably even coming to the UK now, just to try and find work and something um, to live. 
just even the social context, just to see the changes that have taken place in, in, in Spain. Uh, the countries in Europe, it's the most accepting of homosexuality. It actually is Spain, and that seems unbelievable with the Catholic context. 88% of the people in a recent um, uh, study said that they believed that homosexuality should be acceptable. Um, so it just lets you see what's going on. And the historical context, just to let you see that as well, um, Spain, Islam ruled in Spain for over 700 years, and that gives prejudice and all sorts of attitudes now even to the North Africans when they do come to Spain, so it all plays a big part. The historical religious context, just to let you see that when a lot of Northern Europe was going through the Reformation, um, it didn't um, have impact in Spain. They stopped it, they blocked it. Um, the Inquisition was set up. And so Spain has never experienced revival and the gospel has never penetrated in the way it has done in other parts of Europe. And so you can see from this map just that the Roman Catholicism, how it held out, and Spain was one of the enclaves where that happened. And just to see the religious context today and just to see how it has drastically changed. Um, Christian, they say population 77.1% of the population, and that's obviously mainly Catholic. But it actually says non-religious now are 19%, almost 20%. And that's an incredible shift. When I went to Spain 24 years ago, they would have said that the Roman Catholics or people would have claimed to be Roman Catholics were 99, 98%. And there they've even got a percentage now, um, almost eight are atheist. Um, and that was unheard of um, 20 years ago in Spain. So you can also see the Muslim and the other contexts there as well. And just as um, Jason Mandrick has said, Spain was once regarded uh, one of the most Catholic countries, but is now becoming one of the most irreligious. And that is that vacuum that's being created in Spain. And in that context, where are the evangelicals? How is the evangelical church coping with all of that? And um, people say now that it is 1% of the population. Um, there's nearly 500,000, and that's a bit debatable. It's very difficult to get the numbers. Um, but even if you conclude in that, that there's 200,000 of those belong to the gypsy population and the gypsy churches. And if you take those out, um, the normal Spanish people um, is a very small minority still, even if it is that. But Spain's spiritual context is secular materialism and religious freedom has created a vacuum of morality and values, um, spiritual confusion, and that's why there's all this flood of all sorts of the cult, New Age, um, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, they're quite strong there as well, and new foreign sects are there. And yet there's that whole basis in the background of Spain um, of idolatry still coming from the Catholic Church. And not even just that, but they just are an idolatrous nation. Um, even if it comes to things like football, I think you can see that. Um, just even thinking of that whole aspect of idolatry from Romans 1, it just talks about how idolatry it can be seen. The results of it are in deception. Uh, their thinking becomes futile and their hearts were darkened. And then slavery, they worshipped and served created things. And that's very evident in Spain today. And so in 2 Corinthians 4, it just reminds us where all this comes from and who's behind it all. And it actually is the God of this age, the evil devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so in the lights of that, just to let you see the challenges that we face in Spain today, of the 50 provinces that exist, 28 have less than 1,000 members in the evangelical churches. The cities of Soria and Avila have less than one evangelical. 
for every thousand people. That's the provinces of Soria and Avila, which are north of Madrid. There's religious liberty in Spain today, um, but there are difficulties and discriminations, and that's coming up more and more in different aspects within the church. And some people still look at the evangelicals as a sect. Um, but even so, in the midst of that, there are around 3,000 congregations in Spain, but many of them are very small. Um, some of the biggest ones in the group of churches I know would be 300. Um, the majority around 50, maybe 100 people. Unreached cities, again, the challenge comes here. And there are, um, I can hardly read this in the distance. Yeah, 345 cities of over 5,000 people that um, have no evangelical witness. And it just goes on, um, the challenge is still there. But I just wanted to show a comparison tonight and say, what, what would it be like? Um, well, you come from Northern Ireland, here we are in Bangor tonight. And just to see the population in Bangor is 55,000, more or less, I understand. And compare it with a city I used to work in, Palencia, with 80,000. And the number of churches um, here are 38. Might be debatable which ones would be good, evangelical ones, but there are 38 um, churches. In, in Palencia, there may be five. And the number of believers in Bangor must rise to thousands. Um, and in Palencia, somewhere like Palencia, it's just 300. And so just to let you see the, the comparison and what we're working with. And so does Spain still need the gospel? Was in the light of that, I believe yes. <laughs> there, because there are still 45 plus million, 46 million people who haven't accepted or even heard about Christ in Spain yet. And just in the key groups that Operation World have, have set out, um, the young people um, is one of those major groups. And this just sets out what they're like today. What are they like? They're postmodern, they're materialistic, they're hedonistic, and they're experience oriented. And so they've said that any ministry to them must be relational and must be authentic. And that's some of the things that I'm seeking to do uh, in Spain and with them doing. And so in the midst of that context, what can one do? Um, it really is massive, the challenge. Um, but I, one of the things I do is I can believe that God's mission is possible. Um, I can help build a church in Spain. And I can give vision for mission and evangelism and help train youth leaders and encourage them in that way. So I have been serving with Fieri, these group of churches in Spain. There's about 90 all over. There are other churches in Spain. There are other denominations in Spain. But this has been the group that UFM has been particularly working with um, um, in Spain. Um, different regions, just to let you see quickly how it's set up. Um, just to see there's different departments of missions, evangelism. Um, they have an online Bible school. Um, just to see, one of the things that I did was lead mission trips to different parts of the countries and take Spaniards to places like Turkey, Turkey, North Africa, Albania, Western Sahara, just to give them vision for missions being amazing and just encourage them in missions and evangelism. They have a campaign every year and the, this one this year has just finished in, in Tenerife. Encourage them to develop their spiritual life um, and not just serve, not just be burnt out when they go on a campaign, but to actually have time with the Lord and then this youth committee. But I just want to go on tonight and just show you something. Um, this is some of the leaders' retreats that I work with and organize youth weekends, encouraging the young people. Um, but I just wanted to go on and see one of the challenges I see. There's a number of ones I've, I've listed here. I've put them very small so you wouldn't be able to see them too much because that's really... <laughs> but there is one there that says there's a challenge of people not reading the Bible. And uh, it's one of the things that concerns me and it concerns me for the future of the church in Spain that if people are not reading their Bible... Um, if the young people aren't reading their Bible today, what, what future does the church in Spain have 
if in 15, 20 years these young people become leaders? Um, what knowledge will they have? How can they stand against all that's coming at them? And so I just want to introduce you to Mission Possible. It's a missions event that's held nationally and uh, it was just held this Easter, it's held every two years. I just want to put on a video clip now and let you see a little bit of what was and what is Mission Possible. Mission Possible was born from the idea to give the young people of Spain the vision that mission is possible and that they can play their part in God's plan. This clear vision of Mission Possible on sharing actively the gospel, it's key for the youth in Spain to understand they can do an impact where they are. That means in, in school, in university, that means in the workplace, in their neighborhoods, with their families. The Bible has always been central in the program of Mission Possible. So the first thing we do is to seek to find a biblical focus for the event. The conference speaker works with us in the study of the Bible passage and in the preparation of the messages. The worship leader works with us too in the development of the themes and topics for the sessions each day. Mission Possible has developed different program tracks for pastors and leaders in Think and Leader. There is the international track, which is focused on people who come from outside of Spain and want to share Mission Possible. And we pay teens for the teenagers with their own space. MEP Kids, which is for smaller children, they also have their own special program. And MEP Babies, which is offered for the, the babies and their parents. Workshops are based on current affair topics and also mission topics led by guests from Spain and also missionaries from outside of Spain. The inductive Bible studies are part of the flow of the content of the program. There is a real need in Spain for the people to read the Bible for themselves and this method helps them to engage in a new way with the Bible, with the scripture. They can share it in groups and search for the interpretation, what the text means, and then apply it in their own lives. There are different ages and all of them are studying the Bible in this way. And that's as great tools they can bring home. You're amazing. You're princesses and princes of the Most High. And I want to encourage you to just to go and take little steps and say, I'm here to serve my school, I'm here to serve my university. And when you go, you bring the kingdom of God. We support all of this with true life testimonies for missionaries who are serving in different countries and cultures around the world. And this gives the opportunity for the young people to be confronted, real life situations, and really see how God is working around the world. There is anything satisfaction in this world, it's only Christ. This year, because we had a focus on the persecuted church, we invited someone to come and share about her experiences of living her faith in the midst of her persecution. The opportunity to pray together allowed God to really move and work in a special way and touch the lives of the young people. For many, it was a new experience to hear of fellow believers who suffer for their faith. Whatever the Lord leads on you to, whatever plan He has for your life, 
if you say, okay, I want to follow you, he helps you in every situation. And he gives you the peace and the strength and the joy to go whatever it costs. Mission Possible is just an incredible event. I was so moved this morning at the praise and worship service to see a thousand young Spaniards worshiping God and seeing that this is going to be the generation that really moves Spain. I have decided to follow There is no other missions event like it in Spain as it changes the vision of mission. It also gives the opportunity for the young people to serve in ways that they would never get to do in their local church. God's word transforms lives and challenges the young people to live for Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Please pray for Mission Possible and the future of the event. Just as the video finished there on the last day um, of the event, we give the opportunity to the young people to respond. Um, as they had heard and learnt from First Peter, um, that Peter challenged us through his book to, to follow the steps of Jesus and to clar clarify our identity of, of who we were in Christ, um, what it means to live in community and to, to reach out in all aspects and then to, to follow Christ um, with the possibility of, of suffering for him. And we ask the young people then and just give them an opportunity, as you could see, to come forward, um, to fill in a little card and just write their decision on it, put it in just in the little box at the cross, and as they left that in, take out a little, a little block that represented them becoming a living stone to build the church of Christ, wherever we call them to do. And I just want to show you tonight this little bag that I brought with me for Mission Possible is full of those cards and those individual decisions. 454 young people went forward. It took one and a half hours for them to queue up to hand in their decision. And there's everything there. There's decisions here in English, in Catalan, in um, Spanish, of course, and there's actually in Romanian and German because that shows the, uh, the international flow of, of Mission Possible. There's decisions there of all kinds. There's even a mother who prays and offers her children up. There's young people say that um, I will follow whatever, whatever the cost, and I will take whatever it is um, to follow Jesus. There's young people have been mentioned about the embarrassment that they feel and that they ask Christ and Jesus to take it away for them. And they were so challenged by the testimony of Susanna Gesk, whose husband was murdered in Turkey. And that night, as we had a prayer night for the persecuted church, God just broke uh, into the lives of so many people. Um, I can remember the production team telling me that the guy on the sound desk, um, as he heard some of our children pray for the children in Syria, um, he was just broken. He left the sound desk and was on his knees crying before the Lord. And somebody had to go and stand in for him. That's just the way that God moved and worked um, that night in Mission Possible. And then Sunday was the last challenge for the young people to come forward. And I just look at it and say, why? Why was there such an impact um, as a result of studying First Peter and of all that happened? And I do believe that God wanted to give hope to the young people of Spain 
and to the church of Spain that in the midst of their suffering, they were probably feeling sorry for themselves um, with their unemployment, with their difficulties. And when they were smacked face to face with the face of believers who suffer for Christ, that give everything, even their lives, um, it made their situation fade into insignificance, really. And it stirred their hearts to, to give um, their lives in complete service for Jesus. And just as, uh, just as I finish, um, it's just the, the challenge that Peter had in his book um, was at the end, it says that he wanted to, to make the believers strong, firm, and steadfast, knowing that they were going to have difficulties. And I believe that God did that um, through the study of First Peter at Mission Possible this year. And those 860 young people um, and pastors and leaders who were there are now out all over Spain, well, in different parts of Europe as well, and they're strengthening their church, they're serving in their churches, and I believe that they're helping to build um, the church in Spain and the church worldwide. So I just, as I've been amazed to see what God can do, um, there's not time to tell you how financially he has blessed us and met our needs and how he's undertaken for us in an amazing way, um, how he's touched lives in the process of a year and a half working through the book and working together. Um, it's just been amazing to, to see. And I just let you see the t-shirt that we have. It's Mission Possible. And it's I'm a follower. And just as a finish, I just want to throw out the challenge to you and say, where are you in your life? Um, where are you in which stage of your life? Are you still following Jesus? Whatever the cost, do you have your identity in Christ so clear um, that there's no questions about it? And I know that at this stage of my life, at this stage of my missionary career, I still need to clarify that too. And I still need to clarify and say, yes, Jesus, I'm prepared to follow you, whatever the cost, um, whatever it takes, whatever it will do. And I still need to be strong, firm and steadfast in my faith as well. And so it is a challenge. And yet it's a privilege to serve a church like that in Spain and to serve these young people that are so in love with Jesus and yet need help, strength, and encouragement. And uh, I plan to go back in early January 2014 for another term of service. And I would value your prayers, value your prayers for Spain. Um, pray for more workers, pray for people to come and serve and to help with the youth, with the church, the Bible teaching, so that the word of God will become strong in this country and that the church will not become even weaker than it is when maybe things will get more difficult uh, in the days ahead. So just thank you for listening and um, count on your prayers. Thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org donate.